0: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the episode 9 of Take It EV. 9. For today's episode, I went all the way to Milton Keynes to meet with somebody who really knows a lot about electric cars. I went to Milton Keynes EV Experience Center. It's a place you want to go if you want to test drive, if you want to find out and if you want to just chat about electric cars. Before we get to the main feature, I have recorded tons of uh, material so I do expect quite a few new episodes with uh, interviews with different people. Uh, Phil is still on holidays. I have recently also test-driven uh, an electric car that everyone's raving about, so I will have a YouTube uh, review in video of me test-driving a car and just talking about my experiences. So please do go to YouTube and search for the uh, Take It EV channel and subscribe. It won't be the, uh, the usual run-of-the-mill uh, review because everyone's done reviews of that card to death. And I don't want to bore you with yet another, you know, this is the range, this is the button that does X. Um, today's interview was uh, conducted in a showroom. So there's a lot of background noise. The person I spoke to is so lovely and has such a great knowledge and patience for somebody like myself who asks tons of questions that it's really, really worth listening to. And if you find this interesting, please do follow us on Twitter at TakeItEvy, all one word, uh, facebook.com slash Share, subscribe, the usual thing. The numbers have been growing steadily, so thank you very much for to everybody who's shared and follows us on Twitter uh, already. Please give us a shout, feedback, comments, suggestions. I welcome all sorts of interactions. You'll see me posting daily there. Um, so I welcome you to interact. Without further ado, here's an interview with Luis.
1: So hi, I'm Lewis. I'm the assistant manager at the Electric Vehicle Experience Centre. So we are a not-for-profit entity. We're set up with government grant money in conjunction with Milton Keynes Council. So Milton Keynes is one of a number of Go Ultra Low cities. Um, specific to our bid to become a Go Ultra Low city, Milton Keynes Council accepted the idea of of an experience and education centre. So in Milton Keynes we were quite lucky that we had quite a head start over a, a lot of towns and cities uh, in the UK uh, in the fact that we'd already invested a large amount of money um, in infrastructure so Milton Keynes council had decided that it's it's one thing, keep putting charges in the ground um, but unless you have a, a centre and a place where you can explain to people about the infrastructure, about why you should uh, be thinking about using it, the benefits um, and, and your different options that are available, you're, you're not necessarily going to see the uptake just by having charging, charging stations around. Because um, even talking to the people of, the people of Milton Keynes, um, they're often very surprised about how much charging infrastructure there actually is in Milton Keynes you know as as ev drivers i would think a, a lot of people are aware that milton keynes is you know one of the premier destinations for charging um it's an oasis in this country yeah we, <laughs> you don't have to go you don't have to go very far to find a find a charger it is it, it, quite handy but it's it's surprising how many people of milton keynes um, and the surrounding area have m- have no idea about that until you start showing them a map and, and showing them, you know, how much time, effort and money has gone into in the in- infrastructure of Milton Keynes. So, yeah, we're here for free education and advice about everything um, to do with plug-in vehicles. Uh, nowadays, we're we're sort of starting to slant more heavily towards the, the pure EBs. Um, we do still have, at the moment, um, one plug-in hybrid still on fleet so it's, it's EVs and plug-in hybrids. Uh, we're always here for uh, free no obligation 20-minute test drives so you can literally just be walking past the front of the center on the way to Boots next door to get your your, your sandwich meal deal and decide that uh, a 20-minute drive in an EV takes your fancy. It's very much the same as going into uh, a dealership and um, The main difference being is we are completely not-for-profit. We're a zero-sales environment, so you're not getting any sales pressure. Um, You're going to go for a drive um, with one of our EV gurus, and they are just going to talk you through... Uh, the basics of the car you know some of the functions of it they're not going to start talking to you about trim level about pcp deals about gap insurance and
0: they're going to ask you where you're going to drive where you're driving currently and you could trade it in for a good deal you know yeah yeah i get it yeah <laughs>
1: um, and then i suppose really like on on top of the 20 minute test drives the the one thing that we do you could potentially think that we we do sell is longer experiences in the cars. So you can take a car away from us for four days, three nights, for a fifty pound flat fee. Um, or we do seven days, six nights, which ranges between seventy five to ninety five pounds, depending on the specific vehicle that you take. So you know, in a twenty minute drive around the block with us, you're going to get an idea about how the car drives. I can tell you about the ranges that you should be able to expect out of the car, and I can tell you about Uh, expected charging times on a rapid charger or a standard speed charger but until you have to experience that yourself that's when you know whether it's going to fit in your daily lifestyle you know um, i can tell you you know that a car might take you know 30 40 minutes to 80 percent on a rapid charger and you might think that uh, that sounds like a long time but maybe if you're actually only using the car and you're topping it up for a bit actually you might be surprised at how quickly you can get a small amount of miles in the car enough to carry on doing what you need to do Uh, and similarly on the flip side of that you might um, rapid charging, you might think that a rapid charging time sound really good for you and what you need it to do but you might get, you might borrow a car from us and you might be sat at a rapid charger for 40 minutes and then decide actually this isn't for me right now and we'd much rather that people make that assessment before they go and purchase a car rather than potentially buying a car, um, not having all the required information that they need beforehand, going out, buying the car and then just having an awful experience because of it, you know, giving the car back early and then just swearing off electric for the next 10 years or something like that. um, Generally, off of the back of that, if that's the main question, then people want to know how quickly that they, they can charge them up. And that's quite a surprising one as well, because a lot of people, when you start describing rapid charging times to people, um, a lot of people aren't aren't aware of rapid charging as a thing,
0: yeah.
1: and also a lot of people, um, a lot of people aren't sort of aware of, of of the rates of standard speed charging. I think a lot of people are still stuck thinking that the main way that you're charging the cars is off three-pin plugs. And that you're charging a your car for three-pin plug at home, and you're charging your car off a three-pin plug out out and about. Yeah. A lot, a lot of people are are expecting much l- like larger like charging times. Interesting. Uh, Cause
0: the number one question I get is, how long does it take to charge? And the, um, the second one is, how far does it go? And the uh, whenever I describe to people that you can charge off the three pin plug they're like oh really I, I, I thought you have a, like a, a specialised equipment for this I'm like, yeah
1: I, I suppose maybe not they're not necessarily always expecting that every charging solution is a three pin plug but they're kind of expecting it it's at the rate of a three pin plug oh I see yeah okay. I think through information that they've heard maybe like five or ten years ago uh, about charging times expecting the cars to you know take 20 plus hours to charge or things like that that's what they've, that's what they've based a lot of their, their information and to whether they think it works them okay, so okay a lot of people a lot of people are very concerned about the range because they think that that is that is it for them yeah like yeah. that okay so you know the car does 100 miles so that means i can never drive more than a, more than 50 miles away from home because the as far as i'm aware the only charging solution is going to take long way longer than i need so i need to have a battery that's going to be able to drive me to my destination and back um, without any need without any need for charging
0: where can I charge this new fandangled electric vehicle is a question in different snarky snarky way uh, gets asked like so how do you respond to that question like where, where can I charge it so uh, we've
1: got a, a, a very large map front and center as you walk uh, as you walk into into the center Um it's um, it's a live uh, map of the polar network okay. um, so the center is uh, run um, by BP charge master um, they are the people who have uh, who are basically running running the center um, on behalf of the council as a sort of a not-for-profit vested interest um, it's the, the po the the polar map on on the front wall is a live map it's showing you utilization it's, it's got blue and green pins to show you charges that are currently freeing and, and charges that are currently in use um, so that's a good tool to be able to show people charging obviously that's only um, showing you one network um, and off the top of my head the the BP beep- P- P- charge master network the polar network is um, only about 40% market share at the moment so we um, we utilize that map um, more often than not to show people li- the amount of charging infrastructure that that's, uh, that's around um, there is another uh, there's another iPad at the front on the way in um, that always, that we normally defaultly show as that map and there's one on the on the back desk as well that's always always showing that map um, okay It's also trying to like people are normally asking that about where they can charge their car because um, potentially because they've not got a great idea about the ranges and how often that they would need to charge how often they would need to charge the car. You know. If you if you had access um, if you had access to off street parking, um, you know, uh, a driveway or a garage or something like that and were able to get a home charging unit installed. Then you potentially find that 80% of your charging would be done at home, and it'd be the rare occasions when you actually need to use the charging infrastructure out and about.
0: Yeah, when, when I had um, when we bought the um, the leave, we did not have a home charger. Or we did not have off street. Well, we did have off street parking, but we lived in London at the time, um, in a you know in a block of flats. Um, so we didn't we couldn't have a, our own dedicated charger for a year and a half. So we purely relied on the public infrastructure uh, and a garage with a rapid charger. Yeah, that's, uh,
1: so that's very similar to me. So I, I've got a 22 kilowatt first generation uh, Renault uh, Zoe, um, and I live in a top floor flat. Obviously, I've got the you know the nice position of living in Milton Keynes, the you know the charging oasis as as, <laughs> as you call it. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, prior to coming and working at the centre, so I've been driving. Um, I'm actually on my second Renault Zoe, but. Um, I, I, I've been driving electric now uh, for, yeah, m- maybe about the same sort of time as you, three and uh, three and a bit years. Um, so prior to coming and working at, at, at the centre, um, I was wholly reliant on the charging infrastructure of Milton Keynes. Now, admittedly, for me, there is a two rapid chargers about a 10-minute walk away from my flat, so that would be where I'd do a lot of the charging. Otherwise, it would just be in and around Milton Keynes, you know, doing lots of occasional, like, top-up charges. Nowadays, at the centre, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky with it being in in the centre MK shopping complex. Um, we've got a lot of these like seven kilowatt um, double socketed posts outside, so that's where I tend to do the vast majority of my uh, my charging nowadays.
0: That's where I'm plugged in currently. So yeah, <laughs> I, I hope hopefully it will be fully charged by the time I'm finished. Uh, you know, it's great. Um, well, the other question is how far does it go, but we already covered that. The other the other question is uh, with variant uh, the station is can I drive to Scotland every weekend as I do now Yeah, Scotland, because my yeah. family lives whatever
1: Scotland and Cornwall it's surprising <laughs> uh, how many people like to go to Scotland and Cornwall like so often um, <laughs> it's obviously you know the cars will we'll not get to Scotland and Cornwall from Milton Keynes um, on one charge I mean we're, we're getting there you know uh, an e-Nero um, will do we do 250 miles quite easily and if you were a little bit more serene about it you can get much higher figures out of it it's it's definitely a bit of a, an efficiency beast uh, that you know uh, at the moment um, you're gonna it, it's something that's gonna require you to plan yeah plan, yeah. plan your journey plan yeah. plan some stops but we have had people borrow cars from us and they've racked up large amounts of large, large amounts. amounts of mileage in a short period of time i have had I've not really had people take the cars um, as far as I'm aware um, as far as Scotland, unless I'm forgetting, but we have had a number of Cornwall trips um, from our our cars.
0: but uh, is that a common question as well? It is, definitely.
1: People are like, yeah, what if I want to go to Scotland? What if I want to go to Cornwall? And it's about talking to them and drilling down, like, well, okay, are you just asking that to find the limitations of the car, or is that something that you do quite often? And, you know, it might be somebody that then turns around and says, well, yeah, I mean... I like to go, you know, every summer, and it's like, what, every summer? Every other summer? Okay, it's been a couple of years since I've gone, but I might want to go in the near-distant future. <laughs> yeah, and I'm it, thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, it, and it's trying to ascertain, okay, well, are you in a one-car household? Uh, oh, no, actually, I've got three cars. Okay, so you you're you want to be replacing the car with an uh, replacing one of your combustion cars with an EV um, that's fit for a certain purpose, and potentially, if you've got access to other vehicles, then um, it means that come that trip if it ever happens you know if it's something that you're actually going to do um, when you need to drive to cornwall or, or, or scotland then you've got another car that's that's capable of doing that journey yeah. but you know sometimes uh, my flippant response is mm-hmm. you know why would you want to drive to scotland when yeah. you can get on a plane um, <laughs> it's not quite as or, easy. A or, yeah, or a train yeah or a train it's not quite as easy uh, to, to, to plane or train to Cornwall from Milton Keynes anyway no, no. Um, Scotland's yeah you know. I've done I've done a I've done a, a minibus to Edinburgh once before and I will never do that ever 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 again <laughs> so um, yeah and that was with no charging stops you know that's a uh, you know, you know hmm. Was it a petrol or diesel minibus? I can't remember, but yeah, that was no stops, and I won't be doing that again. Next <laughs> next time, it will be it'll be plane or train. So.
0: Yeah, people always uh, downplay the um, the need to stop. Um, they think they can do eight hundred miles and yeah, that's a couple is, of hours. Yeah, yeah that's, that's
1: a stopping. good point. That's yeah, that's normally also. It's like well, yeah, how long? How long do you like to drive without stopping and some people will be like yeah I'll, I'll, I'll drive a thousand miles without stopping or, or whatever crazy figure <laughs> it might be and it's like well that's probably not the safest option and uh, yeah,
0: yeah
1: yeah I quite you know it's it's maybe something that I didn't uh, I didn't used to do before I started driving EV but I actually quite enjoy a stop now you know it, it's sort of Gives you the opportunity to refresh yourself, you know, make sure your your brain's still firing on all all cylinders, and you're not going to make any like silly mistakes. It's yeah, well, stretch stretch your legs, you know, have have a, have a drink, you know, go we, to the toilet.
0: We quite often, and I found that from other people, uh, ever since we got the car, and this is our only car in the uh, in a, you know in household, we plan the trip so that we can stop somewhere nice along the way, and explore like local towns. So we can just you know instead of always plugging into a rapid charger. We'll stop somewhere and plug into a seven-kilo-hour uh, post, stop for two hours, meal about, and then set off again. And, you know, we've discovered so many nice places that we've, we would never have stopped. Yeah, uh, uh, you're,
1: you're, you're, planning, you're, you're planning your route around the, around the availability of chargers, which is often, yes. sometimes it's taking you off of the, the beaten track a little bit. And, yeah, there are some definitely some, some nuggets to, to explore.
0: Uh, the, the, another question that I often get, and, you know, I don't know if you guys do, but it's, Somebody walks past my car when I'm charging, and they they ask me, "But you do have an engine, right?"
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, so they'll a lot of the time, so we've uh, at the moment we've got four different cars uh, in the showroom across four different brands, and and when you say to someone that it it's pure electric, you'll still get a little bit further into the conversation, and at which point somebody will somebody will like, well, there's no there's no petrol backup, there's there's nothing. It's, no, it's just. Just it's just pure electric. Yeah. Um, I think obviously a lot gets said about um, like hybrid hybrid cars, either mild hybrids or or, or, or plug-in hybrids, or or cars like um, like the range extended styled cars, like an uh, ampera or the or the BMW i3 Rexes, um, which maybe creates a little bit of confusion, whereby people are still not. Uh, fully understanding that uh, a fully electric car, a, a BEV, an EV, um, is actually just battery and electric motor, and, and that's it. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's people not wanting to to let go as well. So. Uh, more recently, I suppose, since uh, we're onto the third generation of BMW i3s, the 120 amp hours, uh, a lot of people not necessarily that happy about the fact that uh, they're not, no longer selling range extended versions of them. Uh, but again, that's um, people trying to, uh, you know, hang on to combustion, hang on to combustion, and they're having having like a fallback all the time. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: it's like a safety net yeah how often do you get asked about um, i I find that people often ask about hybrids because they it's like a safety zone like you say like you know so it's supposed to be the the best of both worlds is the, the phrase that I often hear what you like when you have people coming in and, and they they kind of they're very sh- sheepish about like making that step to the other side yeah uh, so
1: i mean Our main goal here is is to try and ascertain what somebody's needs are for a car so there will be certain scenarios whereby a plug-in hybrid might make more sense for somebody if they're describing certain sets of circumstances Um, but often sometimes Sometimes people are just going the plug-in hybrid route because they don't think a range of other cars is going to work for them. So they'll describe scenarios whereby, oh, you know, well, I think a plug-in hybrid will be really good for me or my other half because I'm just doing lots of, like, short journeys all the time, and that would be, that'd be covered by a plug-in hybrid. Um, and then if you have, you know, then try and explain to them, like, okay, well, you say you're doing, like, 10, 15-mile journeys at a time, you know, do you know that there's plenty of cars that do over one hundred miles on on a full charge, um, and you've got none of the uh, none of the increased costs of a, of a combustion engine car. Uh, you know, you've got cheaper servicing, you've got no road tax, uh, road tax to pay, and and it all it will often drive a lot better than a than either a plug-in hybrid or a, or a standard hybrid. Um, have more power available to it. Essentially, if you're if you're getting a plug-in hybrid. Um, and you're you're driving around in electric mode all the time and you're just you're just essentially carrying around dead weight and generally in a plug-in hybrid the electric motor will have less power output to it than the combustion engine so you're sort of sacrificing yourself on power when you should have just bought the bought the pure ev with a with a bigger electric motor Mm. with more power output for it and you know maybe swap the weight of the combustion engine for batteries
0: my, my co-host um, Phil, he um, he um, he's got three kids, and uh, there's no EV reasonably priced EV for five people um, to take around, you know, long journeys. So he got himself a, a, an Outlander, and he's been driving um, a 24 kilowatt hour Leaf for like two years beforehand. So he's got a very, you know, it was one of the episodes was actually him explaining the downsides and kind of a, a real. Review of an outlander from somebody who actually you know doesn't want to up, uh, play it up. Uh, um, the and he he's, he's I won't say disappointed, but he's not. He's just yeah, he is disappointed by all the you know. Um, everyone's saying, "Oh, this can do 20, 30 miles on a single charge," which you cannot. Uh, it's, it's terrible up the hill. If you run out of electricity, the the petrol engine is just struggling. with um, but the car is fully loaded, and it's just you know, it's a terrible compromise. Basically, it's not good in either um, um, mode on its own. Yeah. Um, so he's he's not not pleased with, with basically with the PHEV, and that's supposed to be the best the best one out there. You know, uh, everyone's raving about it being an EV. With just an engine and a four x four and all that.
1: Yeah, I mean, for for us, if if somebody is desperate to go plug-in hybrid route, um, and 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 isn't willing to maybe give the EVs a go, I I would always think that a plug-in hybrid is sort of a is sort of a stepping stone. It's it's a gateway to pure electric driving. Uh, the the vast majority of people coming in who we talk to who might be uh, current plug-in hybrid owners. Once you talk to them. For them, it will always be generally about oh, you know, I, you know, whether it be an Outlander or a, or a Nero Fev um, or you know, um, you know, uh, a three or five series BMW plug-in hybrid, whatever, whatever it might be. For them, it's always about you know, oh, you know, I've I, I've only spent fifty pounds in fuel in the last six months. Um, at which point, it's it's trying to it's trying to, it, it, it's trying to uh, get them to understand that if for them they're just trying to save the most amount of fuel and do the most amount of EV driving a pure EV would have probably been a better route to go but obviously it's 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 sometimes it's size and shape of vehicles that's a real determining factor for people going PHEV but you generally find that through people's experiences with PHEV that they want to go pure EV the next time
0: yeah okay Um. Do you ever get anyone asking you about the self-charging hybrids? What about them self-charging hybrids? Yes,
1: that (laughs) is, uh, yeah, maybe not a day goes by without somebody referencing self-charging hybrids. I mean, we've all dealt with it enough times now to try and stay relatively calm about it. Um, It's just trying to explain to people that a a self-charging hybrid is 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 a gimmicky marketing tool and that the, the car is essentially charging through combustion engine, uh, it, It's not got some some magical system that is making electricity from nowhere, you yeah. are burning fossil fuels to generate electricity to put back into the battery, um, a relatively small battery by comparison to anything that we, we deal with here in the centre, um, to then power again a relatively small electric motor. Yeah. Um, it's also, you know, it's explaining that the cars do have um, all the cars we deal with have regenerative braking, so you could make an argument to say that they are self-charging. Yeah. They are they are using regenerative braking to to charge the batteries. Um, it's just and then explaining to them the kind of the difference that you get between a, a mild or closed hybrid, a self-charging hybrid, um, and a a plug-in a plug-in hybrid in, in the fact that you've got a a bigger battery. Available to you in a plug-in hybrid, you've got um, you've generally got a, a an EV button which enforces pure EV driving um, up to relatively high speeds as long as you're not too heavy with your right foot. Whereas self-charging hybrids generally are transitioning at quite a low speed from full EV to yeah. sort of combustion power.
0: The other questions that I have about, you know, Milton Keynes is great. Like, all the EV drivers know. Like, as soon as I got the, uh, got interested in the electric cars, I looked at the uh, the PlugShare, which is the uh, the app that I use personally. Um, and I looked at that place with, like, you know, tons of uh, chargers. Uh, <laughs> you know, you look at the map and there's, like, some chargers dotted about. And then somewhere in the country, there's, like, millions of them, basically, seemingly. And that was Milton Keynes. But um, has... Uh, do you think there should be more places like this anywhere else in the country? Are there, is there anyone interested in actually opening one somewhere else? So uh, part so
1: part of me is protective and it's like, no, no one else can have a centre like us, it's Milton Keynes only, like we need to be the forefront, but no, realistically, all of us here, we just want to see as many people getting in EVs as possible and I definitely think that this is the way to do it. Um, a lot of people will come to us saying that um, they much prefer coming to us than a, than a dealership model of, of things obviously you know you go into a car dealership and they're, they're, try, they're actively trying to sell you a car that is, their, that is their job that is their, their purpose their reason for being there whereas um, it's quite um us here at the center it's quite interesting where the background that all of us all of us come from none of us currently come from any sales um orientated background whether it be car sales or general general sales um, most of us are from sort of customer experience uh, customer service style roles previously to to the center so our focus um is is around trying to help people Mm-hmm. Trying to ascertain their needs um, and and trying to give them try and give them options that that, that would help them. As for other centres, the main massive advantage that we had in Milton Keynes is the large grant that we receive uh, from the Department for Transport through the Office of Low Emission Vehicles, um, and that's what allows us to operate in the way that we do. Uh, we're talking multi-million pound grant. Um, to mean that the the centre can be sustainable for a five year project, uh, including the the acquisition and retrofitting of of, of, of the unit here in in centre MK. Um, this actually used to be two uh, two units, uh, so this is two retail units that have that have been mashed uh, mashed together. Um, it's also um, yeah, it's it's allowing us to. Although we have partner working partnerships with the manufacturers, um, currently we're working with BMW, Volkswagen, Kia, and Renault. Uh, they do financially contribute to the project, but um, the the government grant far out outweighs the financial contribute uh, contribution of the manufacturers uh, to the point that they uh, they don't uh, they don't sort of have any sway. Um, in how, what we're saying to people and, and, and how we're and how we're going about what we're doing. Um, okay. So, yeah, I mean, we have a lot of talks. there would be a lot of people, you know, maybe uh, a week doesn't go by whereby I have somebody come in and say, you know, talk to me about the center because I want to do the same thing as you. Um, okay. But for somebody to do the same thing as us, it has to be a zero sales environment as far as I'm concerned. I mean... There are uh, there are a lot of um, showrooms, uh, showrooms and sales centres popping up now which are are dedicated to EVs and and they will have a lot of knowledgeable people there and and uh, you know they'll try and be talking to you about real world uh, miles and experiences rather than talking to you about WLTP and NEDC figures and things like that. Yeah. Um, but still, you know, with a view in the back of the mind that you know they're they're interested in trying to, to try and sell you something you know there is a uh, you know uh, there is a handful of other go ultra low uh, cities and it just ha- happens to be that they are doing other initiatives they're not spending all their money um on on pure infrastructure and um, they will do a lot of other projects whereby that they will have you know like um They'll have like pop-ups and uh, where where they have cars on displays and, and test drive events and they'll reach out to local businesses and, and things like that. But it really helps us in in Milton Keynes because we've got a, a base of operations. It means that um, that we have a centre. It means that we can um, we can easily manage a larger a larger fleet of vehicles because yeah. we have uh, we have so space to sort of chargers and, and space and chargers um, um to store them and, and to and to use them. Um, We'd, yeah, we'd love we'd love to we'd love to see other other people replicate what we're doing, or or we'd love to have uh, you know offers and, and things on the table for us to help you know open uh, other centres. It's it, it, at the moment, unfortunately, it does just boil down to, to to the bottom line, to the to the to the cost to the cost factors involved. Yeah. Uh, the all of the vehicles that we have here at, at the centre, which um, is, is roughly we have over roughly sort of fifty. 50 different vehicles and um, at the moment all of the vehicles are owned owned by the center so none of the vehicles are on loan from manufacturers so see there's a large capital cost involved in, yeah. in, in the purchase of those vehicles you know so the vehicles will be purchased from the manufacturers that we partner with uh, and discounted rates and, and 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 deals and deals will be done um, but there there still needs to be some cash to be able to to facilitate that in Milton Keynes, we're quite lucky because all the local dealerships are aware of, of the infrastructure and that it's a lot easier for them to to talk up and sell an EV. Um, we do sort of work um, semi like assembly with the with the local garages. Um, so you will I will start talking to people and they will come in and say, "Oh, you know, I've been to the BMW garage and they said come and see you guys." Uh, you know, I've been to Volkswagen. Or, you know Kia or Renault, and and, and they said pop, you know pop in and see, to see you guys. I suppose it's 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 a knowledge it's a knowledge thing, and if, if you if you're going in and you're talking to a salesman and uh, they they're fully versed in petrol and diesel, but they're not up to speed with electric, yeah. they're not going to really feel comfortable with trying to sell you something that they've got no idea about. Um, but yeah, the advantage for those guys here in Milton Keynes is say a lot of them have dedicated large dedicated ev um sections to their garages yeah um, because they know about uh, about Milton Keynes and what it's trying to trying to achieve but um also they'll be more than willing to send people across to us you know sometimes they might not have cars available and we're always aiming to have a one of each car available uh, to test drive um And also, you know, the garages will be aware of the longer experiences that we do, which potentially uh, the garages won't have the ability to do that. A lot more garages nowadays are doing these, like, 48-hour... 48 hour test drives but you have to have availability of vehicles and yeah potentially yeah. they're not sitting on the spare ev stock to be able to allow people to to take car take cars away off of them for you know multiple days at a time whereas that's kind of really what we're geared towards and it's then it's then understanding that you know the garage might have sent us someone uh someone across um but eventually when that you know we give them all the information and they have all the driving you know experience um with us that that person is then going to need to return to a garage you know we can't sell them a car from from the center and um, there's there's no commission or referral fees to the center if somebody comes in and says you know it dro- tries a car and then like right I'm ready to buy uh, realistically the only way that I can help them from then on is by pointing in the direction of okay. of the local garage giving them a name or address of somebody to contact or, or, gi- or give a call etc
0: well do you have any advice to people like myself or any other EV drivers who gets questions, you know, what is the best way? How, uh, what will be your advice? You know, what would be the best way to talk to these people who are curious about these things?
1: So, it's, uh, from experience, it's always good to try. You know, some people are very much up up for an argument. You know, we'll find it in here that, that people have some vague understanding about what we're doing, and they'll want to come in and they'll want to pick fault at things. It's it's all about just trying to. Is trying to like stay calm and just make yourself clear in, in, in what you're trying to say to people and just try and lay the facts out for them. If you if you're trying to let give them all of the information and let them make their own decision about it, it it's normally a much better way to come about it rather than trying to force your opinion on someone. Yeah. You know, if you say to someone, well, you can run a, a full electric car for maybe somewhere between three to five pence per mile. And that there's no uh, currently no road tax to pay on the car, and that you should expect uh, cheaper, um, full even full dealership services on, on the vehicle. Um, that there's you know, ever growing number of places that you can you can charge your car across the UK, and and that you can potentially be charging your car at home on your driveway, so that every morning you wake up, and you've got a, a a fully charged car ready ready and waiting for you to go potentially even preconditioned you know um, that it's it's just laying all that information out so that realistically once you've been given all of that information it's going to be very difficult for you to sort of shrug that off and decide that actually that's not something that you're interested in you know why why aren't why wouldn't you be interested in 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 saving money and that's before you even start talking about things like the the green aspects of of the car you know um the 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 zero tailpipe emissions um potentially running the car from renewable electricity either from solar panels on your home which is going to decrease your costs or or even um just you you the carbon footprint of your car Um, and then again it's it's even uh, that's that's before you've even started talking about the driving experience as well I mean you'll know as a as an EV owner like myself that uh, a lot of it is down to the way that the car drives Um, it's that if somebody if somebody told me that I had to drive a combustion engine uh, car home tonight yes I'd be concerned about the tailpipe emissions of the car, and and the um, you know the fact that it's going to cost me more money to drive home. But I, I'd also be I'd also be concerned about the fact that it's not going to drive as as, as nice as my EV is to drive. It's it's not going to be direct drive, automatic, um, seamless delivery of power. It's, it's not going to be it's not going to be smooth. It's not it's not going to be quiet. Um, all of those things that we we learn to love as EV drivers. It's not
0: going to have the torque. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That as well is
1: it's not going to have the talk. It's is, yeah. I'm going to be beating less people off uh, off, off, of off, the, off the traffic lights <laughs> or the uh, off a, or gaps at roundabouts.
0: Yeah, I lo- yeah. It's it's something that every EV owner loves, but they don't want to be talking about because obviously you don't want to be bra- uh, you know bragging about you being the quickest. <laughs> but it is true that uh, quite often I find myself overtaking people very quickly and then seeing somebody else behind me in a combustion engine car trying to catch up, and even in the leaf, they're having a hard time. It's,
1: uh, it's why the main priority for us is to try and get people like in the cars.
0: You yeah, know, yeah.
1: For, for, to, have, uh, to have the opportunity to, to not book anything, just turn up um, and go out for a 20-minute spin. Um, mm-hmm. for, for us, the best us the best um the best um visitors to the center are people who have never driven EV before because it's it's getting them in a car and then then just watching them sort of have that light bulb moment of this is really nice to drive and it's much quicker than i thought it would be as well like this doesn't hang around and i can see the number on the dashboard telling me how many miles i can do and that's higher than i thought it would be Um, yeah all, all those sort of things um
0: so, in conclusion, if anyone has any questions or you want to, you want to point your family member or some or a bystander to a place where they can get all the questions answered. You guys don't have, nobody has to book any slots to see you guys. No, you so can just turn up, you, just,
1: you can just turn up and walk in, and, and have a chat. I mean, if you want to do some drives with us, we would normally say either give us a call or um, or um, give us an email or, or through the um any of the inquiry sections on on our on our website just to check that um if you're making a special trip to us that cars that you might be interested in driving are actually available that you know some unforeseen circumstances haven't happened that means that the car isn't on the road Um, but also like our longer experiences in the cars are, are getting quite popular so if you're if you're interested in, in taking cars away from us for for a prolonged period of time you're normally looking at about a two-week sort of lead time wait time um, to get into our, our, our booking calendar for those sort of things um, but again you it's it can be quite handy to come in uh, and try multiple things that's that's the beauty of us as well like I, I challenge you to find somewhere um, where you could come in and, and you could you could drive uh, a BMW uh, for twenty minutes and then go out and drive a Volkswagen and then go out and drive a Kia and then go out and drive a Renault, yeah, um, yeah. giving giving you the opportunity to get a real good view of the different EVs that are out there. Um.
0: Yeah, um, and and unlike the petrol or diesel cars, they all drive slightly different. They're all kind of different experiences, not just um, you know interior wise, but actually the driving characteristic wise and. I find that the EVs are actually much more diverse in the way they're manufactured. It's a bit more, you know, it's a clean slate basically and my peop- uh, manufacturers have done... They've done different pe- things. Yeah, they, they've flavoured the other you know, cars in a different ways. Whereas with the petrol and engine cars, with the emissions restrictions and all the other, and obviously the fuel economy, they have to make certain choices and obviously Quite a lot of of petrol and diesel cars are manufactured, or their chassis are manufactured by, or or their um, engines and such are manufactured by one or two uh, manufacturers, even though they have a different badge. You're driving essentially the same thing. It's just with a different top. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> uh, whereas with the electric cars, still much more diverse and interesting. I don't know if you would agree, but
1: yeah, they well, I mean, they all go about things in different ways. You know, um, just talking about like some of the cars that we've got. You know, you have we've got a, a we've got um, you know the BMW i3 is a rear-wheel drive car, which is different to the other cars that we've got. Um, you know, some cars have different um, levels of uh, regener- regenerative braking that's adjustable. Um, some, uh, some, some cars, you know, the i3, again, it, it, it only has um, one level of, of, of regenerative braking and you can't turn it off. You know, some cars have got manual handbrakes, some have got electric handbrakes. Um, they've all got, like, different levels of, of, of power to them and they've all got different um, uh, battery sizes and therefore ranges to them. So there is a real spread of different options to you. Uh, available to you, different shapes and sizes of vehicles, you know, if you need a, a car with a big boot, then there's sort of a couple of different options available. Yeah. If if you're not too fussed about the size of size of boot, then there's some things that, that you know, you've got more options available to you.
0: Okay, so if, um, what's the website?
1: If anyone wants um, to... So we are evexperiencecentre.co.uk. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also uh, find us on various social media platforms. Twitter tends to be our main one. You can find us at EVEC underscore MK. Uh, we also do uh, Instagram and Facebook, but it's pretty much the same, same way to find us. The, be- the beauty is, is the zero sales environment for us. We're, we're just here to un- answer your questions Um, try and bust those myths that you you, that you might have heard or you know you might have watched an episode of top gear five years ago or something like that and (laughs) and that's what you're basing all of your uh, ev knowledge on Uh, we're we're just here to to bust all those myths and and try and do it in a in a in a friendly and helpful way
0: great right thanks very much no problem Once again, thanks to Lewis for his time, it was really amazing to look at the uh, the way they operate and just to hear all the stories and, you know, these guys have tremendous amount of knowledge and they can patiently and very well answer all your questions. So the MK Experience Centre is well worth the visit, whether you are an existing EV owner, you're thinking about electric cars or whether you have somebody in your family or you've just met somebody who wants to know more about electric cars just send them their way Uh, please also note that the all the information that lewis and i have provided has been valid as of the time of the the recording which was sometime in the mid uh june and things might have changed since so any questions any cars models companies that they work with please refer to their website and just talk to them if you have any questions as always, thank you guys for listening, and uh, uh, I've, I have mentioned already the Twitter. Please subscribe, share, and um, I get to the point where I've been doing this long enough now that hopefully the quality is much better, and uh, you know I've fig- uh, I have fixed and addressed loads of mistakes that I've made in the past. I also have to mention that the uh, this episode has been sponsored by Clear Prop Limited. Uh, a mobile app development studio. The links will be in the description. If you know anyone who needs a mobile application, has a mobile application that needs maintaining, updating, give them a shout. There is also a support link in the description. If you feel like um, you know, giving a few a uh, few pounds, few dollars uh, towards the uh, the podcast, please do so. It costs a bit of money to set it up and run it, so uh, I, every you know donation is appreciated you don't have to do it this is completely uh, voluntary i'll keep on doing what i'm doing but please consider it and i shall see you in the episode number 10